Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? I'm doing quite well, Scott. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. It's been a, a gorgeous weekend here. We got the garden started. Uh, the temperatures were probably in the low 70s, mid 70s. Nice. And uh, man, it was tough to it was tough to get some work done, which is, there's a, that's always there. But we we stayed outside most of the weekend. How about you? It's always a good day to be sipping sweet tea when or lemonade when it's like that, isn't it? <laughs> well, it was the Queen's birthday this weekend, so she and the princesses uh, all came down to the um, the beach house, and we had a grand old time along with our newest princess, little Nellie Jade, our granddaughter, and um, took some really cute pictures and had some fun on the beach. Yeah, it was great. Fantastic. Finally, so my son-in-law came also, so I wasn't completely outnumbered. Well, we were outnumbered. <laughs> right. I wasn't alone, right? So that is awesome. That what what a what yeah. a wonderful weekend. And of course, it was great to see Nelly uh on Friday just for a few minutes. So a special. Oh, that's special right. Time. That's right. I forgot she joined for the team call, didn't she? That's right. My new personal uh, assistant. <laughs> for now, before she becomes CEO. Yeah. Uh, but hey, uh, and by the way, happy birthday to Vicky in case she is tuned in. We love Gargs around here. Um <laughs> Today, though, Greg, it's all about the supply chain buzz. We yeah, come no to you to you every Monday, 12 noon Eastern time, where we share some of the leading stories across global business. And today, Greg, we've got a special guest joining us about 1225 p.m. Eastern time. It's Gillen Hawks with Six River Systems. We're going to be talking about a variety of things, including some of the great supply chain challenges that we're facing right now and how companies are breaking through a lot of the obstacles. So buckle up and get ready. Because, yeah. Greg, we want to hear from our listeners too, right? Yeah, unquestionably, which, by the way, hold on. I've just got to switch here to see the comments. There we go. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay yeah. tuned. Yes, please um, hold. <laughs> well, speaking of which, we're going to say to, uh, hello to a few folks here in just a second. But, Greg, let's knock out a few program notes before we do just that. Um, we want to make sure that folks know that they're personally invited to the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. That's going to be May 18th. Competition is fierce. We've been looking through the nominations. We're getting feedback from our executive judging panel. Lots of good feedback there. And Greg, we're talking uh, over 1,200 folks have registered for this event already, huh? Yes, the count continues. And by the way, there are plenty of seats, so don't be shy. Everyone gets a front row seat to this, right? <laughs> I mean, that's right. a nice thing in a way, right? That's the nice thing about these virtual events is everyone has a front row seat. No worry about some lady in a hat or a tall guy sitting in front of you <laughs> and blocking your view. And we promise no violence, no violence at this award show. So may <laughs> Did you see that the Tonys, <laughs> so the Tonys have a specific no guarantee of no violence at, at their uh, <laughs> awards show. Hey, we need more of that for sure. But folks, uh, the links just was uh, dropped in the comments. Big thanks to Chantel, Catherine, and Amanda for helping today's production. Y'all check it out. And of course, you can also learn more at supplychainprocurementawards.com. 
One other note for, for say hello to a few folks is we're our supply chain now team is very proud to be partnering with our friends at Vector Global Logistics to help to, to really um, help those in need in Ukraine and Poland and really you know, throughout Europe get humanitarian aid. So Vector has done incredible work as they identify these vetted needs. They find vetted resources, and now they're they're working to marshal this humanitarian aid to where, where it's got to go. And so they get together, oftentimes with, with members of our team, uh, on an open, open working session on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time uh, to find ways of leveraging logistics for Ukraine. So be sure we're dropping a link to that in the chat. And Greg, even if folks don't have you know, millions, millions of pallets of aid sitting around or, or, or they can't directly help moving stuff, if folks want to show up for the market intel and kind of better wrap their head around what's going on and what the real need is, yeah, you, know, you never know how they might find a way to help, right? Well, yeah, I agree. And I think there, I mean, we found some contributors who are going to take care of a container. So that's really good. Hopog Lloyd has been kind enough to reduce the cost of containers for this great cause to, uh, I won't announce it here, but a remarkably reasonable value. So, um, so if you are inclined to give in any way, I really think that you could probably pull five or 25 of your closest friends and help out here, uh, to actually ship a container because they are really doing it at their cost. And it is, um, you know, obviously it's a great cause. So that's right. Uh, yeah. Contribute, uh, Ukraine, right. What's, did we leveraging logistics address? You can also, Oh, that's a great point. There's also uh, an email address. I think yeah. it's Ukraine at vector logistics, uh, sorry, vector GL. That's right. Com. And to make it easy, our, our production team just dropped the link for you to learn a lot more information about it, uh, in the chat there. So y'all check yeah. that out. Um, two quick factoids, unfortunately, Greg, uh, the world bank, I believe it was, um, recently estimated the damage to U Ukrainian infrastructure at $60 billion due to the Russian invasion. $60 billion. Holy cow. Um, and mm -hmm. then the other thing I saw reading the Wall Street Journal uh, this morning was uh, they had quoted a, um, I think, an old trader, uh, captain of, of a vessel, right? A container ship. And uh, $200,000 per day for ship captains that are willing to navigate the Black Sea compared to, on average, $30,000 elsewhere around the world if you want to take the chance of, of operating in that um, in that part of the world. So, yeah, man. Yeah, now there are calls uh, by, uh, gosh, I read the article and I'm maybe confusing it with another one, but there are calls to that already calls that Russia should pay reparations to um, rebuild Ukraine once this thing is over, my feeling is that Russia may not have a lot of money left mm. after this thing is over. So well, we're all uh, certainly praying for an end to the violence and then we can figure out how to rebuild from there. So uh, thanks for sharing, Greg. And folks, hey, check out that leveraging logistics for Ukraine. Okay. On a much, much lighter note, I want to say hello, Greg, to a few folks in the cheap seats and the sky boxes, whatever our. Uh, <laughs> Our metaphor. All tickets Simmons. are the same price, so you might as well go to the skyboxes. <laughs> That's right. Dr. Rhonda is back with us uh, from Arizona. Great to see you here, Rhonda. We always love your contributions here, as well as uh, elsewhere across social, so great to see you. Mm. Rowett, 
is here with us uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Rowan. Hey, let us know where you're tuned in from. We love making those connections uh, globally. Uh, let's see here. Greg, Kavan. It's not a live stream without Kavan, right? Yeah, there he is. Yeah, that's good to see. All right, so it we're is. waiting for wisdom, Kavan. <laughs> that's right. And he always brings it. He always brings it. So, Kavan, hope this finds you well uh, via LinkedIn. Of course, Catherine, part of the production team, uh, also tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to have you here with us, um, Catherine. John Perry from Maine. Ever, Greg, when's the last time you went to Maine? You know, that's one of the states I think that I have never been to. Really? Beautiful. Yeah, I have a buddy who goes up there every summer, takes his fifth-wheel trailer, and basically spends the summer up there along the coast. I cannot remember exactly where. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I am recalling correctly, and I, you'd think you'd remember it, right? I have not been to Maine. That well, is that makes one two of, of us. only states I have not been to. Really? Um, well, that makes two of us. I have not ventured to, to Maine either. So, John, you have to send us some pictures. Uh, along with your great sense of humor you always bring to our live streams. But, you know, I doubt uh, Sergeant Ryan Benner is watching, but I served with Ryan in the Air Force, and, and he was from Maine. We talk about the blueberry farm picking uh, in the summers and some other things. So uh, to the Benner family, I hope this finds you really well and appreciate what y'all do. Uh, let's see. Talent is tuned in from LinkedIn from Zimbabwe. So great to have you here with us, Talent. Uh, Kavan says, hearing supply chain now with noise canceller headphones. Believe me, that makes a difference. How about that? Really? So we're above the noise. That's the good news. <laughs> nice. Greg, nice. Man, it, your brain just moves a thousand miles a minute. Uh, Zohabe uh, tuned in from Kuwait via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. Wow. Joe from South New Jersey. Joe Boyle, great to see you here, Joe, uh, via LinkedIn. You ever been to South New Jersey, Greg? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, all over it. Cherry Hill, Cape May. Um, Man, gosh, I can't even name all the towns. Uh, the town where, gosh, there is a. Oh, I don't know. It's like a craft store chain outside of Philadelphia, which is remarkably close to New Jersey. I don't know if okay. everybody realizes that. I mean, just across the border. <laughs> so, we need the next time we'll have our map ready to go, right? so we can <laughs> we can be working it. I'll just put pins. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then Mike uh, from Birmingham, Alabama via uh, LinkedIn. Great to see you here, Mike. Hey, let us know if you are, uh, you may not be from Birmingham, or you may be a Roll Tide fan, you may be an Auburn Tiger fan, or you may, you may just be working in Birmingham, but let us know. Great to have you here, uh, Mike. Okay, so Greg, we hey, have got a- Hey, Scott, just real quick, I'm sorry. What was that Mediterranean place we ate at over by UAB, our very oh. first show together, right? I don't you remember know? the name. I just remember it was delicious, and it was right <laughs> by the UAB campus. Yes. Right? Uh, that is yeah. such a great pool. I've, I've forgotten I've, a, briefly about that. Yeah. I wonder if Mike knows that area of town. So. Yes. You don't instantly think of maybe Mediter Mediterranean food in Birmingham, but it, to your point, Greg, it was delicious. Very good. And the only thing better was the conversations with some of those incredibly bright students at the University yep. of Alabama, Birmingham that we had in our first couple of shows together. So, uh, Mike, great to have you here today. Okay, so we have an outstanding guest joining us in about 15 minutes or so uh, in Gillen Hawks with Six River Systems. But before we get there, Greg, uh, I want to, you, you know, you do these supply chain summaries every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, they're becoming very well-received. And so last week, wow. I believe it was last week, 
you shared Friday, this, I believe. Yeah. Was it Friday? Yeah. You shared your take on this great article via Supply Chain Dive entitled Six Sourcing Strategies for Reshoring and Nearshoring. Um, and in particular, you touched on offshore and reshore and nearshoring, you name it, all the shorings. Uh, so if you can, in the next few minutes, give us the, kind of the gist of your POV related to this topic here. Yeah. So this was an article by uh, Mike Weissman, who uh, is a uh, professor, obviously not a fan of offshoring. Um, and the bias in his article showed that pretty substantially. But there were some amazing points made. And one of them is that, um, and this this was my takeaway, offshoring for cost saving is dumb. Mm. And <laughs> and and so let me give you some context there, so we don't we don't lose the whole audience immediately. But but the point that uh, Mike made was um, was that so many companies they focus on the cost saving bet- between item cost, uh, you know, onshore or item cost offshore, and um, he even relayed a couple conversations where. The person said, "Do you know? Do you know what your to- fully landed cost is?" And this was the response. <laughs> right. So, so in for for uh, our listeners, Greg is shrugging his sh- shoulders. Yeah, right. That was the response. shrug. That's right. We'll put that in the <laughs> notes. Um, but and and I think we fall into that too often. Honestly, as someone who offshored product way back when, um, f- as a merchant. Um, I can tell you that that's what we focused on. We didn't pay attention to, well, we did pay attention to the landed cost, but we didn't pay attention to the potential risk and complexity presented by, a, uh, you know, a far-flung supply chain, which is something that that I think any of us would suggest, and particular, particularly now. Um, you know, at the same time that we have talked about this ever since the pandemic st- started, Scott, it is not practical to believe that everyone can reshore their product, right? right? In fact, some of them can't reshore it at all. I mean, there's absolutely no chance. We talk about products all the time that because they are built in particular um, societies, economies like China, where you know the cost of labor is a tenth or less the cost of labor in the States and their labor-intensive right. things, it's not practical to think you can reshore that. You can't even reshore it or nearshore it to Mexico because the rates of labor in Mexico, believe it or not, are higher than those in China. So, you know, I, I explored a lot of those perspectives, right? So what is smart? And, you know, one of the things that that I've seen as people talk about offshore is, well, they're doing it, so it must be good. Right. And let's just follow the herd. Don't just follow the herd. Take the blinders off. Do a really strong analysis, a complete analysis of all of the impacts, things like supply chain risk, things like who you're doing business with, um, and do all these things with data was one of the points that I made also. Not with emotion, not with gut feel. Um, Obviously, gut feel in supply chain is one of the most important or most impactful factors that we have used for decades. Supply chain professionals have used gut feel for decades that got us into this mess. We have to be more data-driven. And we have to recognize also, and this is critical, and you know this is my mantra, supply chain is a risk-balancing exercise. It is not a cost-saving exercise, which is to what it has been relegated by many of the executives of companies for decades, frankly, from the beginning of, of corporate history. 
It is much, much more complex than that because not only is cost at stake, but brand esteem and equity is at stake because nowadays cuts, you cannot hide from the consumer. They know if you are the one who up the supply chain and, (laughs) and made sure and didn't make sure they got their goods, you can't hide in the shadows anymore. So you have to assess all kinds of risk, some of which goes to the top line of right. your company. If you can't deliver, it doesn't matter what promises you make or how good your marketing is. So anyway, we talked about this in, in the procurement context but and the supply chain context, and they very much overlap in this area, right? Your credibility is a critical part of this. So it, it's really smart for companies to not be dumb. It's really smart to know their risk, right? To, as I say, assume everyone will fail you or <laughs> Assure that if anyone fails you, your supply chain does not fail. Right. Um, it's smart to look before you leap, not just jump into offshoring because it's popular. You've got a gut feel. The folks next door are doing it. And, and it's also smart, of course, to understand that this is a risk balancing initiative as well. Right. You Excellent. are taking a risk of a fragile supply chain for a cost saving that's, and the cost saving better be substantial. Because the impact of a broken supply chain hits the top and the bottom line. You know, so speaking of uh, all the things to take into consideration, you know, back when I was in metal stamping, you know, we would avoid oftentimes uh, uh, having tooling made overseas because of even though the cost was night and day. It was like two Mm -hmm. separate universes. But being able to navigate through a highly technical build really put and some of these projects falling falling behind and so adding to lead time but a lot of uh, because of a lot of those factors we would have tooling we'd pay more and have tooling made here in the state so all kinds of things to take into consideration which may be in your blind spot when you, you when you're trying to arrive at a total landed cost which is so critical to your point well you know you and you raise a really good point there and this just one final point and that is i'm astounded that more companies don't have a actual plan B. If you are sourcing overseas, you should also have a secondary or a backup source onshore and give them 5 or 10 or 20% of your volume at all times, even at a higher cost, so that if you need them to ramp up production, they are available and willing to do so. Because, Scott, as someone brilliantly said when the pandemic hit, right? if you haven't been kind to your suppliers, now it's too late to make friends. <laughs> That's right. right? <laughs> so um, I, I think that's something that people need to do. And that's something that certain industries, particularly the food industry, is really, really good at it, having backup suppliers um, and keeping volume in their pipeline so that they are able and most importantly, willing to to help you in case of emergency. Uh, so much. And I really appreciate you sharing uh, your uh, some of your take there on this great article that uh, came out of Supply Chain Dive, Six Sourcing Strategies for Reshoring and Nearshoring. Uh, the article was great, and then the things that you spoke about as you, you know, analyzed it and offered up your expertise and experience made it even better. So, y'all, if you want perspective like this, the Supply Chain POV, the Supply Chain Summaries, make sure you're connected to or following Greg White, uh, and he uh, rolls that out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay. A couple of comments. We're, we're going to be having our uh, featured guests join us in just a couple of minutes. I want to share a couple of quick things. So we said hello to Joy, Joe Boyle uh, a little while ago, right? Uh, now, he is just outside Atlantic City, 
is it Brigginton? Uh, just outside Atlantic City, but he offers critical ex expertise here. Craps, stay away from those tables. So thank you, Joe. Joe, that's that's uh, that is great uh, words to live by. There, craps uh, are the best odds in the house, by the way, at a <laughs> casino, and the odds ain't that good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. That's good. That is good guidance right there. That's right. Kevon says to buy or not to buy always has been a challenging question written like supply chain Shakespeare for sure. Dr. Rhonda says this is such an interesting topic. I'm not well versed in this area of offshoring. Thankful for learning more from you both, Scott and Greg. Hey, Dr. Rhonda, thanks for being here. Appreciate your feedback as always. John Perry, uh, uh, the pride of Maine says cost needs to be balanced with value. If you save a little and deliver late, you may lose your customer. There you go. That's, That's excellent it. point. Yeah, this is a again a top top line exercise as much as a bottom line exercise. Excellent point. And David Morrow. Hey, David. Hope this finds you well, Doctor Morrow. I should say. Uh, he says stretching your supply chain that far never made any sense, given one of the original value propositions of su of supply chain was freeing up working capital. This could cause it to increase exponentially. Excellent point there, Dr. Barrow. Um, really quick, one, one, one of the things you mentioned mm. made me think of one of our all-time favorite guests, uh, the Rick McDonald, Chief Supply Chain Officer with Clorox. And yeah. Greg, a little breaking development over the weekend. We've got, um, we've got him booked to join us again on a live stream coming up in June, I believe. So uh, Catherine, Amanda, or uh, um, Chantel, if y'all could drop that date. I want to make sure we haven't built that live stream yet. I think we confirmed that in June, and he is home run, uh, and yeah. he's vying for some of the best hair in supply chain, I believe, Greg, right? <laughs> Unquestionably the best hair in supply chain. Unquestionably. But also some of the earliest and most effective innovation, dare I say, pivoting. Um, oh, let's just go through them all. Pivoting during these unprecedented whatever. I can't remember all the terms we used early in COVID, but they saw it coming. Um, and and did some brilliant, brilliant things, including pop-up factories and things like that, that were right. um, so incredibly effective. And yet, even with all of that preparation, all of the excellence in their supply chain, as, as we said early on in COVID, it was not a supply problem. It yes. was a demand problem. Mm. People were hoarding, and I can verify it because I think we still have some 2020-era <laughs> Uh, Clorox wipes in our house. Um, <laughs> they were hoarding Clorox wipes and Clorox and all of those things, right, to try and keep everything clean and tidy. Mm. So, well said. Uh, so, stay tuned for that. Uh, we should also welcome in the one and only Jose Montoya from Southern California. He of uh, he hosts Logistics and Coffee. I think every Friday. Uh, I always look forward to that. So, hello to you, Jose, and hope this finds you well. Okay, Greg, we yes, have got. Scott. An outstanding guest here today. We really enjoyed the pre-show conversation. Uh, are we ready to bring in our the star of the show? I am. Well, then, with no further ado, I want to welcome in uh, Gillen Hawks, Vice President of Product Management and Analytics with Six River Systems. Hey, hey, Gillen, how you doing? Hey, Greg. Hey, Scott. How's it going? It is Pretty doing. We're, we're having a great time. We're talking supply chain. We're big supply chain nerds. We, you know, this is what we love to do. And speaking of what we love to do, we really enjoyed our pre-show conversation with you getting to know you a little better. Uh, your world travels, of course, the big things you are doing at Six River Systems. So welcome to the Supply Chain Buzz. 
So glad to be here. Thanks. It's a really big topic. And I was listening in on your conversation. So it sounds like you've got, rep, you know, people uh, dialing in or phoning in or from all over the globe, which obviously means supply chain is something that is a global thing. It's a global problem and a global opportunity for all of us to come together to solve. So. Well said. Man, Greg, yeah. I can just tell already, this is going to be an outstanding <laughs> appearance here. So a lot of kindred spirits. Um, but Gillen and Greg, we're gonna, let's have a little bit of fun before we get into the heavy lifting, because uh, gosh, there's so many, so many challenges across global industry right now. Let's have a little fun first. Today is National Telephone Day. Uh, yes, there's a whole day dedicated to <laughs> national to, to telephones. So I want to ask both of y'all, and Gillen, uh, you're going to be our leadoff hitter here. Um, what do you remember your first cell phone that you had? First cell phone. Yes, I mean, it's, first it's cell so phone. hilarious to even imagine life without one. <laughs> Just right. start there, first of all. Uh, let's see. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so um, I, my first cell phone um, was a Nokia handset. It was like, yo big. Okay. It was a little like a brick thing. Um, I right. think it was, it was like a three, I don't know, some series. It was super snazzy. It had about 20, 10 buttons on it. <laughs> and it had an L, you know, some gray and black screen. Um, and I must say right, I did right. cheat. I Googled it just, just before this because I, it is available on eBay right now, folks, for 65 really? bucks for something you're calling <laughs> wow. when you read it, the original unlocked retro cell. So, you know, <laughs> what, what go, what goes out of style always comes back guys. That's the message. <laughs> What's old is new again, always. And yeah. Greg, I'm coming to you next. But hey, folks in the cheap seats, in the skyboxes, hey, let us know your first cell phone. We'd love to kind of reminisce with you. So for Gillen, Greg, it was a Nokia. So Greg, how about you? So I got two phones at once because my first job out of college was selling cellular phones human to human back when that happened in 1989. And <clears throat> um, I had a unit in cp11 mounted in my car with an amazing like flexible mount and everything <laughs> yeah it looked really great in my mercury cougar uh xo7 <laughs> and uh, um and and i had what was what was called the brick phone the motorola dynatac the big white phone with the um um the zach you know, morse phone is what you're saying on. What's the, the Zach Morris phone from Saved by the Bell, right? I think that's what you're describing. Could be. Never seen Saved by the Bell. Um, <laughs> is that the Wait, there was a scene that I think Motorola mentioned afterward where he calls, a kid calls somebody from his locker. He gets stuffed in his locker. I think that's something. it. I think okay, that's it. That, oh, okay. Then yes, probably <laughs> that one. Uh, but yeah, it was massive. That was a massive phone. And I, I remember I would carry that around with me because I was selling phones and just set it on the counter and every lawyer doctor uh, that came by had to have one. Absolutely had to, cause I was like 22 years old and they're like, well, if this kid can have one, right. Well, hang on, but, but I have to interrupt here because like, I guess that's, I'm like almost show of hands, like life better and more simple with phone or without phone. Like I bet you there's a split vote mm -hmm. going, they could go here. Like, that's such a great, great point. Great point. You know, we were, we were talking uh, pre-show about how I remember when we were home with my with my, my parents during the summer. You know, home from school. Whenever she'd want to take a nap, she'd take the phone off the hook and bury it into the couch, so no one could call her. 
And that's such a foreign concept these days. To Amanda's point here, kids today will never understand the pain in the rear of texting on those old Nokia phones. She had a Motorola as her first cell phone, but, but her dad had a mounted car phone and bag phones way back in the day. Now, here's interesting, Gillen and Greg. Nokia, everyone had a Nokia. Jose had a Nokia. He said it was, it was brick size. Uh, Kavan had a Nokia N93. Talent had a Nokia 3310. Man, Nokia. So outside uh, the United States, they were the largest cell phone producer in the world. Really? So, yes. Yeah. Joe had a Joe had a bag phone, maybe. Uh, Joe, was it in your, would you keep it in your car? Or some folks, if y'all remember well, Greg you, and Gillen. Yeah, you could carry it around with you, right. if, you had, if you didn't mind 13.5 pounds hanging <laughs> off your shoulder because that's what it weighed. Now, Chantel had a Sprint Nextel. Uh, let's see. Catherine says today's equivalent is turning on Do Not Disturb every night at 8 p.m. <laughs> so love that. Um, okay. So thank you all for reminiscing with us here on National Phone Day. It's hard to believe uh, how far we've come. It really is. Uh, but really, that's a great segue to global supply chain. Uh, you know, we, we shared something on social earlier today about how we're traveling at ludicrous speed, right? There's so much coming out. There's so much uh, good right. stuff and bad stuff, right? Innovation, but also new challenges, old challenges, you name it. Um, so what we want to do, um, Gillen, and thanks again for sharing your early cell phone history with us, but you know, shifting gears. Um, speaking of uh, challenges across industry, there's a great read here uh, from our friends at CBS News that touches on some of these challenges. Shortages, inflation, Workforce. I mean, you name it. No shortages, no pun intended, of uh, challenges old, new, out there in industry. So what I'd like to do, uh, Gillen, to kind of uh, uh, level set things, what are some of uh, your key takeaways from this read? Or, and you know, what are you seeing uh, related to these challenges out in the market? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just called out some of the shortage side of the equation. You know, there's demand and supply, right? So there's a ton of shortage on you know of labor. There's a ton of shortage of actual inventory out there. A ton of shortage or challenges on the logistics side with transport. There's also you know add to that more demand, right? I think that's the other kind of sucker punch. Is in a great way we all love demand, right? But that just is pouring fuel on the fire that is caused by some of these shortages, right? right? So coming out of COVID, the demand is there. It's growing and increasing. We'll talk about, I think, a little in a little bit about what, yeah. what we think peak is going to look like, because obviously that's in most most people's minds, first and foremost, even though all of us are looking forward to spring and summer, it's rapidly <laughs> followed by peak and like the stress starts to, to, starts to mount. But so, you know, the, the shortage side of things, I got a couple of kind of comments or takeaways from the article. One sure. is, Labor shortages actually hits everybody. It's a democratized shortage, right? We have large retailers, small retailers, all competing for labor. And in some cases, it doesn't mean that that, that um, larger retailers can maybe afford to pay la- their um, employees more and therefore win short labor in this tight market. It, it's not all about that. You increasingly, um, associates want more than just more money, right? right. I think we're hearing that again and again is they want things that help them be flexible. They want things that help them do, you know, do have enjoy their job more. And I think that's a really big thing where where automation can come in, right? I mean, I think part of automation and hey, AMRs. Oh, sorry. Scott, well, you know. Really quick, I think you hit a nail, an important nail on the head there because we've we've seen it time and time. And and uh, folks we interview, folks we break bread with when we take facility tours, is 
uh, team members, they want, they want opportunities to advance. Greg, they want to learn more. They want to be more valuable. They want to add to their, their, their toolkits, right? Yeah, unquestionably. And now they can pretty much write their own ticket to companies that want to do that. And, you know, one of the issues that we've got in supply chain, which, by the way, had a labor shortage even before COVID of almost 5%. Um, one of the issues we've got is what I like to call the three Ds, dark, dirty, and dangerous. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people perceive this as a brute force industry, right, in dark, dirty, and dangerous tasks. And some of those are, frankly. Um, and they are staying away in droves from some of the most critical roles that are required in, in supply chain. And it is because of that ability to choose. And, yep. and also, I think, because of um, some companies' lack of nurturing and, and clear growth path for roles in, you know, for people who enter the workforce. Yep. Well said. Uh, so, Gillen, uh, one of your first key points there, um, you know, everyone's suffering from the labor market and employees mm -hmm. don't want just more pay. Pay is important, of course, but they want, they want a more fulfilling uh, job where they learn more and more as they progress. So excellent point there, Gillen. And, yeah. and do more, right? I mean, purpose is a huge, is a huge um, need for workers these days. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, we're all humans, right? No matter what we're what we're doing, right? And so we want to feel like we have the ability to contribute, make a difference, feel great about what we've done at the end of the day. Um, and and you know that 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 is a um, a global uh, a global pand a different global pandemic, right? Which is a good one. Right. Um, we all we all want to be um, doing the very best we can uh, mm. every day, and uh, it's inspiring. Yep. I uh, completely agree with you. Uh, and, and more and more that's pervading throughout the global workforce. What, so automation, uh, clearly, what are you seeing there as it relates to uh, the yeah. workforce that we're talking about? Yeah. And, and I, you know, um, I think it's an answer to not all of these problems we just talked about, but a lot of them, right? I mm. mean, I think AMRs are a way to first and foremost um, have operators, retailers, 3PLs, manufacturers, whatever, attract talent, right? You've got to get the associates in the door, number one. And we were hearing again, again, that that's an incredibly hard chat task. But if you can use automation to say to a potential um, employees, like, hey, we have tools to make you be more efficient, to make you enjoy your work better, to make it physically less taxing. Because let's be honest, I think, Greg, your 3Ds are right. Like, you have warehouses where you have very heavy um, goods being moved around right. by long distances. And so AMRs can help carry those loads and unburden that. And, 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 and in a wonderful way, one of the things I'm most proud about for AMRs is actually it can extend the, the life, the working life of associates as well. So you can have older associates um, be able to, to be active and to be contributing members in the way they want to contribute through, through automation, right? And, and, and let them continue to be super productive and super engaged with their communities through with, with coupling them with automation. Love that. Uh, Greg? Yeah, I, you know, I have long said we can cease to apologize for automation taking jobs. We said this when, um, you know, when previous people, Matt from, uh, you know, has been on the show with us from Six River. And um, we don't need to apologize for that anymore because as we've just stated, we didn't have enough people in the industry and even fewer are coming in as demand grows, which causes the need for more people. And, um, you know, and as ominous as the 
you know, the pending change in economy. That's the, that's a lot of words to say coming recession, um, may feel to people. I think it will bring people who have left the workforce back into the workforce, either out of necessity or out of opportunity, because the myth of the great resignation is that it was millennials and Gen Zs. In fact, it was baby boomers. Almost exclusively people, I mean, not almost exclusively, but a huge portion of it, of that, like 73% of the people in the great resignation were 55 and above. Mm. And they'll have the need and opportunity to come and work. And to Gillen, your point, if they can be assisted by physical devices for the lifting and carrying and that sort of thing, then we can regain some of that intellect that we lost by not capturing the knowledge that those workers had. So I think it, it, it's a great thing. We can cease to apologize for it. It will assist us to bring new types of workers into the workplace uh, and increase productivity. And look, let's face it. I mean, if this, if it turns out, and I believe that it largely will because of some key demographics, if it turns out that people don't flood into the workforce positions, the actual working positions, uh, of supply chain, we're going to need automation and we're going to need more and more of it. And I mm-hmm. believe that that's the case. Yeah. I mean, I think that the second point around automation, sorry, Scott, to jump in, oh, was Scott, is, is I think, you know, uh, we talked uh, initially earlier about some of the shortages side of things, but I talked about the other side of the equation, which is the demand that we know yes. is going to increase. Um, it, you know, COVID gave it a shot in the arm of adrenaline Customers like sh- online shopping, get loved curbside pickup, all these trends that that are going to, you know, were accelerated and are just continuing to grow. Uh, you know, so the demand from on the good side, like we want to grow, operators want to grow, the whole world loves growth. Um, so automation can make that possible, right? So, so you know, pay, you're going to be able to do more uh, with less but you know uh, human bodies involved Mm. um yes we want to get them back in the workforce but we're not going to have enough to keep up necessarily Mm. or not everyone so automation is a way to do you know get and meet that business growth that we love with less labor or the same amount of labor so it's a huge empower for for not only large you know large operators but i think going back to something you said scott like you know it's a, almost a bigger mandate for smaller operators, I think, because um, they really need to compete right well. And this is a tool that they can pull out of their toolbox. And some, some of the automation is very, very cost, you know, very uncost prohibitive, whatever the, the, the anti cost prohibitive, <laughs> yeah. very accessible. There you go. That's the word I'm looking there for. Very accessible to, uh, to operators of all sizes. And if you are going to want, if you're able to, um, you know, be able to bring automation into a building, you're going to be able to compete better and win win business and continue your growth. All right. And, and in a second, we're going to talk about one of, our, I think, all three of our favorite things that we're seeing out there is, is small beating big. And automation is, is one of the uh, big t- uh, tools in your tool, uh, tool belt. If I can uh, speak right, I need the 18th cup of coffee, folks. I need the 18th cup of coffee. But to enable small to be big really quick. I want to take a couple of quick comments from uh, the audience here. Uh, Joe says, excellent point. Gillen automation to assist associates, not replace. Excellent point. Hey, Peter Bole all night and all day found us on YouTube. Great to see you here, Peter. Hope this finds you well. And I like Jose's comment here. He just keeps it simple. 
I like Six River Systems. So, Gillen, you got a fan out there in one Jose Montoya. That's your new marketing tagline. Honestly, like gosh. <laughs> find me later, Jose. We can we can talk talk automation all day long. Love, Love it. Love it. So, let's um, – you know, some of the last things you were sharing there, uh, Gillen. Uh, I want you and Greg to both talk about small beating big, right? Because we're seeing it perhaps more in, in, in this current age that we live in. It's invigorating. It's inspiring. It it fuels real innovation. I mean, it, it's really amazing, intriguing. Um, and the pandemic, of course, has also uh, accelerated a lot of that out of necessity, right? So, but but Gillen, what's one of your favorite examples of small beating big? And there is no bigger big than the A word, right? Amazon, yeah. like, and remember, I guess all of us, I mean, you know, this goes back a while, talk about, you know, your original phone, like, remember when Amazon just used to sell books, right? Like, that's where they started. Right. Now you ask nine times out of 10 people, and pretty much nine, nine times, nine people out of 10 probably do shop on Amazon. But if you ask them, I bet they would say, you know, that they wouldn't even recognize Amazon as a bookseller, but that's right. where they started. So let's go there. Like actually one of the areas that I know, um, and I'm so thrilled about being able to compete with Amazon in books, a category that, that Amazon has huge market share. I think they have two thirds of the online book sales is Amazon's. However, wow. the remaining third um, is um, actually democratized across smaller booksellers, right? And so those booksellers are being are, are really leaning into a couple of things that um, that we know, you know, is that people want to buy local, right? That is a very big trend in the in the market today, and so they want to buy local from their local store. And so buying local can be things like buy online, pick up in store that a lot of booksellers have been really successful doing. Um, creatively bringing local gatherings together and book discussions, um, allowing or, uh, consumers, sometimes older consumers or book readers, right? Physical book readers, because a lot of that is digital now, um, are one, are not comfortable ordering online, but they can order by phone or by text, right? And so just thinking creatively about your customer, first of all, what they want and need and really leaning into that is um, and embracing e-commerce, but also driving, driving people into stores has allowed booksellers to really take take some some of Amazon's um, wind out of their sales on the books in the book space. Gillen, I love that. Greg, I'm going to get your take here in a second. But I, I love finding uh, a small business to purchase uh, you know, via websites and whatnot, and so everyone can really, you know, beyond Amazon, the, the big behemoth out there, everyone can can uh, find new business that way. It's very rewarding when I find uh, a, a, um, a new bookseller or other small product. Um, we interviewed uh, folks with OME Gear and the Wanderer, uh, which is um, is a is a massive device to help you get your your chairs. Think of, think of your beach chairs, your adult beverages, everything you've got to get down to the beach. Well, uh, you've you've got you know uh, a stretch. You've got to get all that stuff uh, that beach supply chain. Uh, so anyway, finding in, the the ABA, Greg. Remember that acronym, the ABA. Oh yeah, uh, it's been a little while since we talked about that. Anyone but what's your but favorite? Amazon. Anyone right. but Amazon. That's right. So, Greg, what's one of your favorite examples of small beating big? Well, you're not going to believe this, but I think Amazon is one of the best examples of small beating big ever. I mean, if you think about it, they went up against the brick and mortar, the giants, B. Dalton, uh, Bro uh, Barnes and Noble, and others uh, in the industry, and they took them out. But now they are in that position and the tables are turned, right? It's very difficult for them to innovate. And also there are some limitations to their platform to which many of their sellers are 
revolting. There are some revolting aspects of the Amazon platform. For instance, <laughs> I don't know if any, I don't know how many people know this, but it, a customer on Amazon, if you are a vendor on Amazon, is not your customer. It's Amazon's customer to which they allow you to sell. You are not allowed to know the identity nor the address of that customer on really? Amazon. And there are a lot of more democratized platforms out there, and there will be more yet, that allow you to act as if it is an online mall. You know who your customer is. You know where they live. You can continue to market to them. Amazon absolutely prohibits that unequivocally, which is not something I knew until a couple of years ago. Um, so there is an opportunity, right? That is a weakness that sellers will not always put up with. And companies like Shopify, who came from nowhere, I remember going on one of those $99 crowdsourcing logo sites and Shopify's logo was one of the $99 logos or whatever, really? whatever it actually cost them on there <laughs> as an example. And I thought, what is Shopify? And <laughs> And now and they're, that, I mean, that's really how I discovered Shopify. And here they are now helping to enable that. And there are other organizations like that. And Gillen, to your point, the democratization of technology in, in the workplace, companies like Six River Systems, who are starting small and beating big by enabling, you know, every man, whatever you want to call it, to, to be able to have the capabilities of technology that the Amazons and the Walmarts and the Targets and others do, that kind of, of um, small beats big is really, really important, particularly techno technological enablement. Small is small beating big is absolutely critical because as I've discussed with many people, once you are an industry leader, you cannot disrupt Absolutely cannot. You have too much vested in the status quo, and Amazon has too much vested in the status quo, and we've seen very little disruption. We've seen a lot of what I would call innovation or mostly purchasing of, of disruptors to create disruption in the marketplace. So there will always be a place for small businesses. And we're, you know, part of the speculation of why labor is so tight now is because so many people have started businesses. Again, mm. not an economist. I don't have the statistics. I did read a few <laughs> articles about it. But I mean, there are tons and tons of people starting businesses to assure that they get the culture and the meaningful um, purpose and, right, and the ability to shape an enterprise the way they want to see it run. Mm. So Gillen, I want to get you to respond, but really quick, one of the points that you both of you are really speaking to is that really we all win when small beats big because, Greg, to your point, industry changes, right? We, we do see positive, positive disruption. That is so critical. But, Gillen, uh, respond to what Greg shared there, and I'll give you the last point about small beat and big. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of make it really, really like a concrete example. Because if you, you know, and I'm going to, I was going to Google, but then I, you know, I, I should have had it on my, on my tongue, but I don't. But we all know, because we're all, we're all consumers, right? We all right. shop e-commerce for, for like everything or, or, or just a few things. And that's fine. Um, but what I think everyone would agree with is no matter what you're shopping, you are much more inclined to press that magical buy button if you know when your product's going to be delivered, right? Darn skippy. So, Promise the SLA, the, 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 the you know service level agreement that that retailers give customers. We know drives conversion at the point of purchase, right? So you've got to have to give yourself a flying chance of getting someone to buy from you. You've got to have 
us a good SLA. Like it doesn't have to be next day, might not even need to be two day, but you got to have a delivery promise there. And right, but in the in the, in the nearer your delivery promise, probably for most goods, um, the better, right? The sooner you can get stuff there. We're all born, you know, with our phones in our hands now. We want stuff now, like yesterday, right? So let's be honest. The shorter your SLA, if it can be same day or next day, the better your chance you have conversion. So the better chance, the way that you can deliver quickly is to have automation in your building, which will drive up your conversion rates, which will drive more volume to your site. And it's a so it's a total flywheel effect that that that, that the Davids can compete with the Goliaths. And it does, and I might be biased because I work for Six River Systems, but it does all start with fulfillment, or at least fulfillment is a huge part of that promise to the customer that will make them buy from you because they know that you, they can you can get it to them quickly. Um, and if Efficiently, and they'll come back and buy from you again, and your volume will grow, and then you have a better leveraging, leverage, um, and, and ability to compete with the bigger, the bigger players out there. Um, yeah, excellent point. It's, it's, it's not just about capturing order; it's about fulfilling and delivering on that SLA. Excellent point, Gillen. Yeah. And hey, even though you said you're partial, of course, I think one of the <laughs> one of the messages is there. Hey. If you don't get your automation at Six River Systems, get it somewhere because it will enable you to compete and grow your business and and create that positive disruption. Yeah. I want to share a couple of comments here from our audience. Um, Jose caught your team at Modex uh, here in Atlanta, and he's hoping to be able to acquire it in the near future. How about that? Great, good stuff there, Jose. Uh, let's see here. Talent says automation is a way to go in this era of COVID. Small business should by any means maximize on automating their logistics systems to earn profits and increase market share. Talent. Well said. Love that. Um, okay. So uh, there's so much to talk about. So little time. We're, we're kind of coming down the home stretch here, Gillen. I want to use a, uh, Jose's comment about Modex because your team is out there in the market creating all types of opportunities for folks to learn and even network. And one of the things I want to um, share, uh, we've got a webinar coming up with a couple members of the Six River Systems team. Greg, are you ready for May 10th, uh, 12 noon Eastern time? How to solve three common peak season challenges. Greg, should be a good one, huh? How timely is it? I mean, especially since we need to start thinking about, as Gillen said, peak so much earlier than we used to, right? Uh, because lead times are going to be extended. You know, the issues with COVID continue to expand in China where a lot of goods come from. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is this is not only really important information, but it's really perfect timing for when to start understanding what those challenges are and how to overcome them. Excellent point. Free to join May 10th, 12 noon Eastern time. And folks, you can find the link in the show notes. Uh, so uh, we got Will and John joining us, uh, Gillen. You got any, any good good stories? Sure, yeah, yeah, you got right. some, some story on those guys. You yeah. <laughs> but kidding is, we want to know what their moms think about automation. We already know. <laughs> That's right. Ask them what their phones are. They'll probably get a annoying group to say, right. oh yeah, phone six. <laughs> um, kidding aside, I, I want to get your take on, on what you're hearing out there about Peak, but really quick, uh, Dr. Morrow says, small beats bigs. Because calling big gets you a conversation with the AI phone answering system, while small gets you to the management and a resolution. Excellent point there, Dr. Mari. He's kind of speaking to so that. For those of you who are millennials or Gen Zs, calling is where you actually talk to someone <laughs> on a phone. <laughs> Love that, Greg. And, and, but he's, uh, he's really speaking to the SLA uh, that you spoke about earlier. Gillen, yeah. So important beyond capturing the order. Okay. But we're talking peak, 
we, we got this upcoming uh, webinar coming up. A uh, lot of minds, a lot of things between the ears are shifting over to peak uh, earlier and earlier as we, as we talked about last week, Greg. Um, what are you hearing when you talk to business leaders out there, Gillen, about uh, peak for 2022? What are some things you're hearing? I think I can sum it up real fast in one word, uncertainty, unfortunately. Mm. Like, I think there's certainty that, that demand is coming. I think there's uncertainty around a couple of things, kind of when, like, it, when are we going to start to see, and, and I think, Greg, you just mentioned it, and we have data that, that very clearly shows that we used to all be obsessed and think that our peak was going to start, you know, Thanksgiving afternoon and happen all before, you know, you know Cyber Monday or, or during those, those critical five days. Not true. Certainly last year, we saw peak starting in like September, all those really annoying people who clearly buy their, their holiday gifts earlier than I do because I'm a last minuter. That's right. great, though. Perfect. We love that. The more stuff can be spread out. Um, means that we as operators can um, can actually you know fulfill right. So actually, the the spreading of the vol of the demand during the peak period is definitely a trend that we anticipate. So there's uncertain there's certainty around that 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 aspect. However, there is a great deal of uncertainty around the labor availability that we talked about, um, and mm -hmm. and definitely anticipation of not having enough labor. Right. Um, number one. Number two, the inability for us to pl uh, plan inventory is what I'm hearing a lot from customers because of the supply chain issues, inventory, chip shortages, you name it. Right. There's so much uncertainty around when that inventory will be coming in and how much of it will be coming in and competing for that inventory like we talked about. So unfortunately, uncertainty seems to be the name of the game. But again, not to sound like a broken record, you know, automation can help with many of those things. Not all of them, but many right. of them. <laughs> Excellent point. Okay, Greg, uh, before we talk about the second event that Six River Systems got coming up, your take on what we just heard there from Gillen. Uh, my my suggestion is uh, tune in on May 10th, take notes and take action immediately <laughs> following because, you know, Scott, the, this still rings in my ears, iRobot receiving their goods for Christmas right after Christmas. And now they are completely dialed in for this Christmas. Of course, it's last year's models, but they ha <laughs> they have their product. You cannot buy early enough to the point that, Gillen, you made lead time is the greatest uncertainty right now. Supply has, in some cases, stabilized. It's still highly, highly questionable. But even if you can get it, you don't know how long it's going to take you to get here because of the backs, backups in the ports, because of the shutdowns in production in foreign lands, you know, because of the lack of labor for trucking, for receiving, for shipping, all of those things, picking, right, particularly picking. Um, but all of those things are hugely impactful. So I think that's, that's where people have to be focusing on is not trying to predict that, but assume it, assume right. uncertainty and assume a longer lead time and start doing now, which I believe that a lot of the, you know, usual suspects that are always ahead of the curve the targets and, and the like, they are already planning on landing, um, you know, back Much to school better. and and peak season goods earlier. Yeah. Just uh, back to those uh, iRobots, just new labels. And all of a sudden, voila, you got model right. 11 versus model 10. New, new stickers. 2022. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like the Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> approach. Uh, all right. 
So Gillen, uh, so beyond everything else you are doing in the May 10th webinar, y'all got a really cool event coming up uh, May 4th. I love how y'all get into these markets and create these, um, these networking opportunities. It looks like you're going to be, uh, our, our members of the team are going to be touring Ingram Micro, big company that has a, a Louisville a distribution facility. And then after being able to see all the Chucks, the army of Chucks at work at, at, at uh, Ingram Micro, then you're headed to Churchill Downs. How cool is this? Don't miss. I tell you, you guys come on down. It's really close to your neighborhood, right? <laughs> so yeah. So we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be um, at uh, the work conference, which is um, in Louisville, and uh, I think it's on May third and fourth. Um, and then we're gonna be hosting um, a limited number, just for for COVID reasons, and also just to to make sure that we're not disrupting the operations at our at our one of our best and uh, and and and, and uh, brightest customers, Ingram Micro. Uh, their Louisville uh, facility has about 125 of our chucks, our AMRs, um, fulfilling apparel, wow. footwear, and other stuff in their building. So nothing like seeing it, right? I mean, I think Modex, someone, I think, Jose, you said you saw us at Modex. There's nothing like seeing right. automation, and in this case, Chuck, in person to see how associates interact with Chuck, how Chuck is, is, is a very easy-to-deploy system. I think, Greg, you mentioned like, hey, you know, actually we could, if you, if you signed on a contract with us today, we could absolutely get you ready for your peak. Um, cause we can deploy within a matter of a couple of weeks. Right. Wow, so wow. not, not to plug, but just to say, that's also the power. No, of that's good to know. Particularly six rivers automation. You're not, you're not uh, SOL, excuse the expression, uh, for this peak we could, and other AMR companies as well, you know, one of the real benefits of, of collaborative robots is that they are flexible and you can deploy them quickly, scale them up quickly, move them around um, from warehouse to warehouse. So a lot of flexibility in in um, some of the solutions that are out there. Um, but come see Six Rivers Flexible Solution uh, on May 4th at Ingram Micro. I'll be there myself. So I'd love to see you. Wonderful. Wonderful. You know, Greg, we, we have dropped lots of acronyms here today, but certainly yes. one that applies uh, is Gill and her team are GSD, getting stuff done, wasting no time. A couple of weeks in terms of getting it implemented. That is yep. a I like SOL too. I think that means short on logistics. <laughs> it right. does. It means sort of in a picture. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it, Greg. Okay. So Gillen, uh, really enjoyed your perspective here. We never have enough time. There's so much going on in, in, in the remarkable world of automation, both in supply chain and outside of it. Um, but how can folks beyond the May 10th webinar, where you've got some colleagues uh, joining Greg and I, beyond the May 4th uh, tour, which folks, we put the link to that in the comments. It'll also be on the episode page. Uh, you can join that. It's limited to 25 folks, but May 4th, beyond all of that, how can folks connect with you, Gillen, and Six River Systems team? Uh, any and all ways through your social media platform that you can access through your phone. If you have non Nokia phone, um, I'm just kidding. Um, so yes, uh, LinkedIn, please look me up. Gillen Hawks, H-A-W-K-E-S. I think please definitely share my uh, profile with, um, anyone on this call. Um, and six river is a company, um, six river.com. And, uh, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, we're everywhere you'd expect to find us. Um, and we would love to start the conversation, see if we can help you be successful and grow and really take advantage of, despite some of the, some of the chaos that we're all facing, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth out there, and we want to help you realize it. I love that. Uh, big thanks. We'll have to have you back soon. Big thanks to Gillen awesome. Hawks, Vice President of Product Management and Analytics. Gillen, we hope to see you soon out there as y'all continue to drive the industry forward. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Love to come anytime. All Bye right. Talk soon. 
man, Gillen, uh, um, the, just the, the sheer passion. If you can't tell that she loves doing what she's doing, what the team's doing, uh, you know, you better check your pulse. But Greg, what was what was one or two of your favorite things that Gillen shared here today? Well, I always love product people because they, the really really good ones like Gillen, always see the problem from the the user perspective, from the purchaser's perspective. Right? They are not trying to push you something they have. They are trying to solve a problem that you that you have that they can you know, fit a product to. And I think that responsive nature of people who are in product of being able to empathize with people in the field and build something that solves the problem, that is so powerful. And it comes through, obviously, very clearly with Gillen. And, you know, the other thing is this notion of democratization. We talk a lot about what democratization, uh, the word democratization, but what it really means is given all of us, all business people, all businesses, large and small, the opportunity to operate at the way, the same way, or at the same level, if not the same way, at, with the same efficiency, the same effectiveness, and, you know, and, and the same risk balancing that, that the big companies do. And that is the great equalizer of technology. And to me, democratization means that, kind of equalizing the playing field for small companies as well as large. And that's so critical today um, you know, as these large companies get ever larger, again, also an Amazon shareholder, but uh, always encouraging uh, competition because that makes every company better. And and also being a retailer deep in my heart and soul, I want every single one of these little companies to survive. And it, and it is tools like Shopify and Six River Systems and Project Vert that, that make these companies really have the capability to to operate at an equal level with these giants. Yes. They're equipping David's with lots of automated slingshots to take out uh, the Goliaths for sure. And uh, kidding aside, how, how often do you get time back? Uh, I'm blown away with uh, the opportunity to still be able to do something before peak this year, you know, a couple of weeks to get things implemented. That yeah. was remarkable. Yeah, and and I, I think those, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to reveal the three points, but I think learning those three points along with all the other things we're going to talk about in that show. Those are really critical to your success. Also, I think something Gillen hit on, you know, kind of second nature for her, but I think people should not overlook is the fact that these technologies will enable the people whose knowledge left the workforce. It will enable them to come back and for us to benefit from that and capture that, get a second chance to capture a lot of that knowledge and impart that knowledge into the technologies of the future. So if some of those people, 55 and up, come back into the workforce to do those jobs, you know, those fulfillment jobs, um, which is a great fit for, for that demographic, um, then, then I, I think that is a really, really important enabler here. And I don't want people to overlook that because there is a good chance that some of those folks will come back into the workforce. Excellent point. Okay. We're going to wrap on this. Jose, I love this sentiment here. An opportunity comes around each day that we wake up in this world. It's whether or not we see it and take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, there's lots of opportunities uh, that Six River Systems is creating and enabling, to use that word, Greg, that you used. Uh, so really enjoyed uh, Gil and Hawks here today from Six River Systems. Folks, whatever you do, hey, come check out the May 10th uh, webinar. We look forward to that. Uh, we've got 
uh, a variety of programming. Be sure to join us May 18th for the Supply Chain and Procurement Awards, along with, uh, gosh, approaching 1,300 of our uh, dearest friends from around the world. Uh, Greg, wow. appreciate your time here today. Really enjoyed our yeah. conversation with Gil and Wright. Big thanks to Amanda and Catherine and Chantel back behind the scenes. Um, but whatever you do, folks, as we wrap the Supply Chain Buzz for Monday, April 25th, 2022, hey, challenging you to do good to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.